you're listening to the Locked In Podcast. Here's your host, Algernon Cash. I'm Algernon Cash, and you're locked in. Hope everyone is enjoying their, their summer. So many really big issues going on this summer, not only just around North Carolina, but really all around the country. A lot of these issues do impact um, what's happening here in North Carolina. But, I, you know, I told people it's July, so I wanted to slow down. And I, I really wanted to try to focus this month and focus in on some really good inspirational stories. And, you know, I'll, I'm a big, huge fan of July 4th and um, celebrating America's birthday. And, you know, if you follow me, then you know how much I believe that this country is all about opportunity and, you know, dreams. And we just have such a great country that is ready for that. And so this month I've been focusing on those kind of stories. Um, if you missed my last story, make sure you go out and learn more um, about my good friend who did the Queen, Queen, Be- Queen Bean City, um, excuse me, as a coffee shop, Claudia Shivers. I told her story um, just last week here on the Locked In program, and that is available on the Facebook page at the podcast. So make sure you subscribe and download the podcast. Um, as well as on our YouTube channel. But today I'm gonna, we're going to have a good conversation with a good friend of mine, Derek Hood. And when I say Derek Hood's a good friend of mine, I've known this guy since high school. Like I've known him for a very, very long time. And so that's why his story um, is so impressive to me. And I think some of what we're going to share today is going to be very impressive and powerful to you. And some of you all that might be struggling with some things. I never know everybody's story, right? Like we, we put this, these conversations together. I never know exactly where you might be in, in your space in life. Um, but I, I think that if you are in a challenging space in life, today you're going to get a lot of inspiration um, and you're probably going to get some steps on how maybe you can be helped um, and, and led to some recovery. So I'm really excited about today's conversation. Derek Hood, you're locking in with me, man. How you doing, Derek? Nice to see I, you, man. I'm doing well. Good to see you. Uh, what's been... 25 years. I'm not telling her age or anything, but <laughs> well, I, I think I've seen you before since high school. Yeah. But yeah, like since yeah. high school, it's been an incredibly long time. We we both have gotten older, a little more balder. You're you're bolder than me. You got the beard going on. I don't like to show all the gray hair, so I try to cut it all off, make yeah. myself look a little bit younger. But um, you look good, man. How you been Thank doing? You. you too, doing good, doing real good. No, that's great, man. You know, I, I, I follow so many um, of our high school friends on Facebook, and um, I, that's how I've kept up with you and, and so many others that went to West Forsyth. Um, and, and so, yeah, I've, I've learned, I've, I've kept up with your story. We're not going to jump completely into it right now. We're going to get into the full story, story here in a moment. Um, but before we just came on air, you were sort of catching me up on what you're doing these days. You're a corporate chaplain now for Corporate Chaplains of America. Um, and so you actually go around throughout corporate America trying to help not only lead people to God and Christ, um, but also support those who already are believers. And um, I didn't even know anything existed like that. So I guess to start, let's start there, man, from an audience that might be sort of blown away that even a program exists like that. Give us a little bit of history and context on what you do day to day. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a remarkable um, uh, job where... I, I basically go out and, and I, I love on people and I care for people and I'm assigned different companies and I go to them every week and just get to know them and um, with the hopes to gain permission to share with them Jesus Christ. Um, you know, that it, it's not very common that you hear companies inviting people in to talk about any particular religion, quite frankly. I mean, certainly not, not Christianity. 
Um, are, are these typically Christian owned companies? Are they publicly traded companies? Help us understand the types of companies that may be inviting you in to talk to their employees. Um, yeah, uh, the the owners and the usually the most of the board members or, or whomever is in charge of the company, some big, some small. Uh, you probably pass by some of these companies um, daily. Um, you'd be uh, semi surprised at who they are, but um, yeah, they're they're Christians and they want uh, they want a uh, a positive influence in their in their company. And they may not have time necessarily to do that themselves or uh, being the boss of the company. You know, uh, an employee is not is not usually going to go to the boss and say, I'm having this problem. So that's where I come into play. They get to know me. Uh, they know that I'm caring for them. I'm confidential completely. And uh, I just uh, talk with them and, and guide them through whatever they need to be guided through. So what, what's the typical response from an employee? I mean, is it a positive response when you come in? Is it sort of a, you know, hey, what's going on here kind of thing? I mean, what's the reaction from the employees? The initial reaction uh, when I first started, the initial reaction for most people was, who is this guy? You know, why, why does he come in here every week and what does he want from me? Uh, sometimes is what I got. But uh, for the most part uh, now, especially um, they, they welcome me. They, they, they say, come on in. You know, I'm, I have lunch with them and, and, uh, they, they invite me to extracurricular activities within the jobs. And, and if I don't show up, they ask me the next week, why I didn't come that week. So they, they, they're really, uh, um, getting used to me and then incorporate me into their family, into their work life, workplace family. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, you know, I've heard about these types of intersections between, you know, Christian based organizations and, um, you know, like there's the Forsyth jail ministry, right? So you have Christian groups that come in and, and, and minister to folks that might be going through a jail program. Um, you, you hear about these types of um, intersections with Christian organizations and the homeless community a lot of times, or people that might be suffering from substance abuse. I'll tell you, I rarely, uh, this might be one of the first times I've ever heard about, other than maybe the National Christian Foundation, that may be the only other time I've heard about an organization that really intersects with the business community. Um, why is that important? Why, why, why should there be an intersection between business and religion? Why does that even matter? Um, it matters because uh, everyone has feelings, everyone cares, and everyone's going through some problems. Uh, and sometimes you just need somebody with a, a, a genuine heart, a genuine heart to care for others, to step in and say, hey, I'm in your team. I'm in your corner. You can talk to me and you can come to me with your problems and and have that person there to guide you through these problems. Um, whereas a lot of um, a lot of people don't have a, a church home or a, or a community home or any type of home uh, to speak of. So therefore, um, you know, the corporate chaplaincy program. Um, really comes into effect and comes into play for that. You know, I can even imagine that that might even improve productivity. You know, a lot of people come to work and they are um, really weighed down by a lot of things that might be going on at home, whether it be certain kind of um, not only just spiritual battles they may be having, but emotional struggle and, and all types of things, financial challenges. Um, but, but being able to connect and engage with someone like you and being able to have that, that, that experience um, may help to just unload some of that weight um, and certainly might, might make it just a little bit more productive at work too. Is this something that a business owner, like how, how do you get paid, man? I mean, does, does the business owner um, structure a contract with corporate chaplains of America and then you get assigned? How, how does the process work for my business owners that might be in the audience? 
Um, I'm not entirely sure about that, to be honest with you. Um, uh, that part doesn't, I don't, I don't really get into that. I assume what happens is the, the, the corporation says, Hey, I, we want a corporate chaplain program. They contact corporate chaplains and they work the deal out. They're just like any other corporation. Uh, but my concerns on the front lines with the workers and uh, even up to the owners, I let the owners know as well that, Hey, I'm your chaplain too. So, you know, you can talk to me about things as well. That's really interesting. That's interesting. Well, I, I encourage my, my business owners that might be listening today and, and hearing this, hearing this discussion, reach out to corporate chaplains of America. Um, if you're interested in having a corporate chaplain available to your employees, as well as even available to you um, inside the business. I think that's a very interesting program. Um, and and you, you speak as if that's above your pay grade. Um, and, you, you know, I talked a little bit about how I do know you from high school and, um, you know, you're always someone I remember, you know, you're in, in junior ROTC. Um, you know, you always had the, the, the outfit on every single week, the, the army outfit. And if I recall correctly, you used to wrestle and, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're always just a, a very active person. You're somebody that and I, I said this to you offline and I, I'll say it online because I meant it. You always someone that just in, in, to, what I remember in high school represented real strength. And you, you, you know, you, you, you didn't always um, have to get the accolades or necessarily be the one that got a lot of attention, but you just sort of, you know, seem to care about everyone else around you, you know, even, even as a student in high school. And that's how I remember you. Um, but, you, you know, from following you on Facebook, it sounds like as you came out of high school, maybe there's some struggles that you went through um, and some things that maybe some demons you had to recover from and, and deal with on your own before you got to this point of actually being able to minister um, to so many people on a daily basis, like you do today, you know, Derek, talk a little bit about just, just some of the, the struggles and obstacles that you had to overcome before you got to, to where you are today. Um, well, I had an in, inappropriate relationship with alcohol, uh, for 20 years. Uh, I was a, a bad alcoholic, um, ended up homeless. I ended up, uh, with suicide attempts, uh, hospitalized, uh, incarcerated, you name it. Uh, I've, I've been through the ringer mm. and uh, that's due to the fact that I thought I could do it on my own, that I didn't need anybody. And there's a ways to escape the world. But I realized uh, through time and, and temperance and and uh, different programs, I, I think I went through eight rehab programs um, that uh, Jesus is the answer. And that, that's it. I, I, I didn't, uh, at some points, I didn't even want to, to change. You know, I, I like the way I was living, but mm. I always felt this, uh, what I call a, a, um, a God hole uh, or a soul craving. There was something inside of me that needed something more than, 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 than what I was living. Even at, at, you know, at my top, at my top of my game, when I was at my best, I still felt this craving and, uh, I realized that's what it was. It was God. And so um, I st started seeking him, started reading his word. And uh, that's what really, um, and, and uh, ultimately surrendered my life to him. And that's what actually uh, saved me from uh, everything. That's a, that's a powerful story. I, I, you know, I'm a little, I'm interested to hear sort of what the, you, you said you had an issue or problem with, with alcohol for about 20 years. And, mm -hmm. you know, we mentioned at the, at the outset of our conversation, I guess it was probably about 25 years ago when we would have been back in high school. Um, you know, last thing I remember when we were graduating from high school, you were on the way to a military career. Mm -hmm. um, what, what happened? What, 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 what triggered the, 
the, the relationship, the inappropriate relationship that you develop with alcohol? Um, well, yeah, I was, uh, I, I was going in the military. Then I realized uh, you get shot at. And <laughs> I decided I went to Campbell University and decided that because uh, uh, they had the number one ROTC in the nation. And I realized that uh, the Army wasn't uh, wasn't for me. There's a lot of different other things, too. But uh, I kind of fell into a bad crowd there, too, um, which, you know, it, it happened. But then um, then I came home and I, I got a job at uh, North Carolina Baptist Hospital as a neurodiagnostic technologist, uh, sleep tech, EEG tech. And um, I had money in my pocket. I had time. And um, uh, the, the party life, the, the, the young, you know, drinking, that, that social life just felt good. It felt right. So I just did it. And I did it. And throughout time, uh, they, they have a saying that says, you take a drink, the drink takes a drink, and then the drink takes you. And that's exactly what happened to me. At first, it, you know, I was taking the drinks. And the drink takes the drink, and then all of a sudden, you know, it took me. So uh, that that's the, the nutshell progression of what happened. You know, we we you and I had so many friends, quite frankly, at West Forsyth that that unfortunately went off into a bad path, um, and and some actually lost their life. Um, you know, actually died. You, you know, we've lost several friends. Um, that were Titans. And um, mm -hmm. a lot of it, I think, does go back to just falling in with that wrong crowd, right? Like just being around the wrong people and, and what that influence can have on you. Um, and I try to tell my, my audience all the time, I try to tell my daughter all the time, you, you know, it, it's so important, like who you surround yourself with, because that is really who you start to become and, you, you know, who you fellowship with and um, who you're like-minded with. And, and those things are critically important. I, you know, I heard you mention that at one point you were, you were homeless. I'll, I'm, I, I've always been very passionate about a lot of homeless causes because when I was growing up, you know, on Liberty street, um, my grandmother, you know, there were homeless guys who would gather like right on the corner. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, literally hundred feet from my doorstep. And when I used to come home from school, a lot of times those guys would be sitting in the kitchen and, you know, my grandmother would, would cook food for them. Um, you know, she, she was really big into the Bible and church and you got to go to church every Sunday. So she would minister to them. And, um, that was how she engaged with them was over food. And, you know, even still to this day, I've got this great love for food because I've seen people use food in such creative ways to be able to engage and, um, you know, sort of build that, that bridge to, to another person. Um, I recall coming home and telling my grandmother, she was crazy. You know, you can't let these guys in your house. Um, but she never really had any kind of fear. And, and I tell you, you know, growing up today and, um, you know, I interact a lot of times with some of our homeless um, um, community here in, in, in Winston and also work a lot with Bethesda Center and Salvation Army, Samaritan Ministries. I think we've got some great programs. We need more programs. I think we need more transitional housing available for that community for sure. But, but just real briefly, talk a little bit about what that experience was like. But then more importantly, what I'm interested in hearing about was how did you get out of it? Because what I always hear from talking to some of those guys and gals that, that have fell into that homeless community, um, the, the, the real tough thing is like once you fall in, it, it, it can be almost in, in, next to impossible to get out of that, that, that ditch. How did you figure out how to get out of it? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an odd time of my life for sure. Um, I, I was actually homeless uh, a few times. 
the last time was in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the base of um, um, Bank of America Stadium, which is a Panther Stadium. And uh, I had a hobo come to me, and he wanted my little living quarters. And so uh, I'm going to give you a brief rundown of the story. It's it's actually pretty funny. But uh, he wanted it so bad that this this old gentleman beat me up and took my hut from me. He beat mm. me up so bad. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. Mm. And so I left, I got my stuff and I left and I found a truck and I got up under the truck. And then uh, a few nights later, I saw him coming again and I said, Oh no, he's coming again. And so I was a little bit afraid because, you know, he beat me up prior. Then he said, he said to me, he, he said, uh, son, you don't belong here. Let me tell you a story. Mm. And, and uh, then he told me about Jesus. <laughs> the same man who beat me up told me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I realized, wow, well, he had he had um, uh, multiple personality disorder. Uh, eventually is what I learned about. Him. But but he was a real wake up call that, you know, I didn't belong here. I was I was wasting. And, uh, you know, there's freedoms that come with homelessness. But most people are there because uh, 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 substance abuse problems or um um, mental disorders and uh, you know some and either one of them are mental disorders in my opinion but uh th- it was really that that hobo who that that old gentleman that that really um woke me up and said i need to i need to get do something and i did so you, you um, know i'm sure my audience like include myself i mean you go up and down the road all all day and you you see you'll see various people at a corner that um most likely are homeless or you um what, what I've come to, to share with people, some of the high traffic retail areas that you hang out in um, right across that tree line is a homeless camp. You, you just mm-hmm. may be completely unaware of it. I mean, they're, they, you know, a lot of times they're, they're living in plain sight um, from my audience that, that, you know, a lot of times might be a little on edge about how to deal with the homeless community. What's your, what's your advice for them? I mean, as being someone that has, that's, that's been through that experience. They are more afraid than you are of them. Um, they, you, when, when you, uh, well, what I do is I carry, I, I never give money um, because uh, that's just a, you know, big no, no. Cause you know, you never know what they're going to do with it. Either go get them a sandwich or something like that. Uh, but don't be afraid to talk to them. Roll down your window, say, Hey, how you doing today? Smile at them. Um, if you don't have anything or I put together um, packs of their one gallon uh, Ziploc bags and, I have uh, water, nabs, chapstick, sunscreen, uh, the little shampoo bottles, things like that. I'll put it in there and give it to them. Uh, just, uh, but yeah, they're they're human too. So say hello and uh, smile at them. Don't 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 ignore them. Yeah, that, I think that's very very powerful advice, man. I, I appreciate you you saying that. Um, you know, as as I get ready to to, to go, go to close here, you you said the conversation that you had with the older gentleman about Christ is really what what might have been the the beginning for you in terms of the transition. Well, one question: Had you heard that story about Christ before? Or was that your first introduction to it? And then just describe sort of what happened next. Like, how how did you make that transition from living, you know, under the stadium in Charlotte at Bank of America, the Bank of America Stadium? to now you're a corporate chaplain helping to lead people to Christ. Uh, well, that was a, a long, a long uh, step, but um, the, the gentleman's name was Ralph, by the way. Uh, I actually got to know him pretty well after that. But after I left there, uh, I, um, 
I was incarcerated again uh, due to pass warrants in uh, Greensboro and then back to Mecklenburg County. Then I went to rehab, my final rehab at Pierce Ministries Rehab in High Point, North Carolina. From there, I applied to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, which I still attend there. Um, and then I, I was campus security for a while there and or here and then a corporate chaplain. And now I'm married and have twins on the way in September. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Oh, that's powerful. You, you know, the whole premise of my locked in philosophy is, is that it's about if you want to be successful in life, it, it's about having powerful relationships. And when I say powerful relationships, I don't always necessarily mean influential relationships, but powerful relationships in the sense that people are willing to sow into you like Ralph did, you know, by, by telling you that story, that relationship had, you know, an incredible amount of power over what, what you decided to do next. And I also tell people, if you want to be locked in, you got to work hard. And I'm, I'm sure for you to overcome everything that you just went through the, that over that 20 year period, it took a tremendous amount of hard work, but it also took a lot of self-discipline and, um, you know, being able to make decisions that maybe you didn't always want to make or didn't feel like making, but, but knew you had to make in order to get to, to where you wanted to be in life. And, you know, so that that's always my advice to my audience is to stay locked in and, and you know, to practice self-discipline, build powerful relationships, work hard, and um, you'll, you'll get to where you want to get to. And to my audience, um, if you want to learn more about Derek Hood's story, actually, you can go to livingforhope.com, livingforhope.com, and that's where you can actually learn his full story. Um, I, I think he's also open to engaging with you if you're someone that might be suffering from substance abuse or homelessness. Um, and you may need some mentorship. Um, he's willing to, to connect with you. Um, you know, Derek, as we get ready to wrap up, man, and I, I, I got to lose you. Um, what, what's some of your closing remarks from our audience that, that may, may be hearing this today? Well, you just said sacrifice and uh, sacrifice to me is love. Uh, love is doing something that you necessarily don't want to do uh, for somebody else or even for yourself. So that self-discipline and that sacrifice is true love. That's that's where the love comes from. And the, and that's what uh, Jesus did when he went to the cross. He did not want to go to the cross, but he went for for the love of humankind, all of us. So when you go see when you see uh, your your sons and daughters, give them a hug, your mothers and fathers, the homeless guy, the 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 company owner next door, anybody smile at them. Uh, say hello, get to know them. Um, it's worth it. And you, you, you never know someone's story, man. It, it's, right. it's good to see you still tight and strong, man. They, 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 they built us, they built us tough back in those days. So they that, that's, they that's pretty did. good, man. It's good to be reconnected. Um, impressive story. You always welcome to come here and share and, and reach out to my audience anytime you like. Um, mm -hmm. And again, to my audience, the other voice you just heard is Derek Hood, um, who's a corporate chaplain with Corporate Chaplains of America, um, but has a much, much, much more bigger and powerful story that you can go learn at livingforhope.com. And I encourage you to connect with him. Um, you can also go check out the national website for Celebrate Recovery um, if you want to learn more about that. Um, and then also to my audience, make sure you always stay tuned to WTOB because that's where the Locked In Show broadcasts. We broadcast every Sunday morning at 730 a.m. 
But if you miss us on WTOB, hopefully you are subscribed to the podcast and you can download that on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you like to find your favorite podcast, you can lock in with me there. But also make sure you're following Algernon Cash on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And until next time, y'all stay locked in. The executive producer of the Locked In Podcast is Algernon Cash for WCG. The associate producer is Tim Beeman for Such and Such Media. The views and opinions in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and are not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting company. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without express written consent of WGC.